0: All right, well, it's good to be back and to, uh, let's see, see you all here. Uh, I've had some comments that some of you have uh, have uh, commented on how they see more of me than uh, they, they saw before when, when we left. And uh, it's because we ate well. I've got a lot of pounds to lose. And um, we also see uh, see my, my beard here. But one of the things that, that, that I've decided to keep my beard here for a little bit of a season is because uh, my kids like it. That's one. And second, we begin today my preaching on Proverbs. And uh, there's, there's a little bit of gray hair in my beard, so that like helps me kind of get an aura of wisdom. Yeah, so it's kind of we're hoping it. So so we're going to keep that at least through the book of Proverbs. We'll see how long that goes. So if you would like to, if you can, open your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. In the chair in front of you, it's page 537. This morning we begin our exposition of this of this wonderful, great, unique, helpful, practical book of the Bible, the book of Proverbs. Now, one of the reasons we're looking at Proverbs is because of the makeup of our church. We have a lot of young people at Rock Valley Bible Church, and Proverbs is written for young people. And uh, just as a pastor, I feel the burden just to address the issue of parenting uh, address the the young ones among us, the the teens and preteens as they think about their life, and uh, just wanna 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 help us all really to think about parenting, think children about good wise choices that you make in your life. In fact, this is Proverbs is the divine child rearing manual. One of the classic commentaries in the Book of Proverbs was written by a man named Charles Bridges. He pastored in the 1800s, I think about 1840s or so. In 1840, he published a commentary on the book of Proverbs. Spurgeon called it the best work on the Proverbs. So that was in Spurgeon's day. He looked to Bridges' commentary more than ever, and Bridges calls Proverbs, he called it, quote, a book for the young. And so you can see, if you just survey the first few chapters of Proverbs, just how focused it is upon children how focused it is upon youth so if you're there in proverbs look at chapter 1 and verse 8 i just want to pound this into you how it is for young people it says hear my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching we we see a father and a mother teaching children and just saying my son in in chapter 1 verse 10 we say my son if sinners entice you do not consent There is an exhortation to the youth. Chapter 1, verse 15 says, My son, do not walk with them. In chapter 2, verse 1, we see that similar uh, exhortation. My son, if you receive my, my commandments, let's follow after my ways. Chapter 3, verse 1, My son, do not forget my teaching. Chapter 3, verse 11, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Chapter 4, verse 1, It says, hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Chapter 4, verse 10, hear my son and accept my words. Chapter 4, verse 20, my son, be attentive to my words. Chapter 5, and verse 1, my son, be attentive to my wisdom. Chapter 5, and verse 7, and now, O sons, listen to me. Chapter 6, verse 1, my son, Chapter 6, verse 3, then do this, my son. Chapter 6, verse 20, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Chapter 7, verse 1, my son, keep my words. Chapter 7, verse 24, and now, oh sons, listen to me. Chapter 8, verse 32, and now, oh sons, listen to me. Over and over, I hope I've proved my point, that this is a book for young people. This is a book for parents to exhort their children in these ways. In these first eight chapters, twice, more than twice in every chapter, seventeen times total, we saw my son, O oh sons, sons, and always exhorting his sons, which is applicable to sons and daughters, applicable to children. My my children, my, my sons, my daughters, right? Walk in the way of holiness walk in the ways of the Lord walk in the ways of wisdom and i just say to you parents you should be speaking this way to your children pleading with them and urging them to walk in the ways of the Lord imploring them with urgency directing them in the ways of wisdom and hopefully i'm hoping that proverbs becomes like a gives you some arsenal Gives you some, some content then to push on and teach to your children. And though Proverbs was written some 3,000 years ago, it's very applicable to young people today. I mean, just, just consider some of the topics that Proverbs covers. It covers the temptations of peer pressure. It addresses matters of poverty and justice. Proverbs warns against sloth and against sexual temptation. It speaks about understanding the ways of evil men and evil women. It counsels towards self control, watching your tongue, being careful with your eyes, controlling your desires. Proverbs talks about the effect of wicked rulers on a society. It promises blessing to those who walk in righteousness, it shows harm to those that will come to to the wicked. It advises generosity and kindness. It speaks of financial matters, how to conduct yourself in business, loans, borrowing. It is counsel for relationships. It teaches marital fidelity. All these things are in the book of Proverbs. And so I ask, are are these the sorts of things that the youth need to hear and learn? I say, absolutely. Indeed, Proverbs is a book for the young. And it's been helpful for every generation since Solomon wrote it 3,000 years ago. Because every generation faces similar temptations. Oh, they may come in different forms. With the advent of technology especially, there's some temptations coming the ways of young people today that was unique, that is unique to our days, so it was different than them. But at the root, it's all the same. At the root, people are people and young people face similar temptations than those of old did. Listen to what Bridges said in his commentary. This is 150 years ago, and how he speaks is how we speak Today. Bridges says this our young are growing up at a period when quote the foundations of the earth are out of course and when subtle and restless efforts are making to poison their hearts and to pervert their ways nothing therefore can be more important than to fortify them with sound principles. What this invaluable book, that is the book of Proverbs, impresses upon the mind is the importance of deep-seated principles in the heart, the responsibility of conduct in every step of life, the danger of trifling deviations for expediency's sake, the value of self-discipline, the habit of bringing everything to the word of God. God. The duty of weighing in just balances a worldly and a heavenly portion and thus deciding the momentous choice of an everlasting good before the toys of the earth. And 150 years ago, he's talking about the toys of the earth. The temptations are much the same. That, That could be written today because the world is out there. Seeking to poison the minds of our children. And there's nothing that our children need more than having a deep-seated principles of the heart, as Bridges speaks about, by which they can live their lives. Right? That, that, that keeps them going in the straight path because they have these principles. They're convinced of the blessing of God in these ways. And, and the Proverbs will help them, our kids, you all, to understand the relationship with other people and how the Lord works in this world and how to come out unscathed by the world. Well, my heart and prayer for the young people of the church they might embrace the book of, of Proverbs, love the book of Proverbs, and walk in the ways of the book of, of Proverbs. And at this point, in fact, I, I want to bring up my daughter Hannah and just let her give you a little testimony of experience she's had with the book of Proverbs. So
1: okay, so my story, even though I'm the pastor's daughter, don't think I'm <laughs> Up here, okay. And of course, the day that I am up here, I forget my fears. Okay, so last year Jackson Hill Bible College, and we had classes like about the Bible. So we had like Old Testament and New Testament survey. We had prophets. We had um, prophecy. We had Galatians. But one of my favorite classes was Proverbs. But some of the people in my class, like, struggled with it. Because we had to memorize, I think it was like 120 verses in Proverbs, word for word, within 45 days. It was insane. So, me and my friend would talk about it, and we were just so thankful that our professor was making us learn that many Proverbs. Because it was so beneficial for our lives. I mean, we weren't learning, like, facts or you know, dates or anything. We were learning verses from the Bible, and it was so, it's just, that's going to benefit you for your whole life. And then another reason why I loved it was because it's so applicable. Like, okay, the prophets, like, there's an application in there, it's just a little harder to find, but Proverbs is, what it says is the application. It's so um, applicable for your life. So I would just Encourage you guys to be excited about learning about the Proverbs, and I would even encourage you to dig further deep into the Proverbs because it is the way God instructs us to live our lives. And um, we are, if we live our lives the way that God instructs us, we will give Him glory and we will glorify Him, and that is the chief end of man.
0: Great. Great, great. Well, I just wanted Hannah to stand up here because of all the classes she had, like, and I could hear Proverbs was the one that just popped for her. And it is a very practical book. It's like a blue collar book, if you will. Like, like it's not so heady. It's more like, like feet oriented, like, like doing stuff is what, what Proverbs is. And I would love for our preaching through Proverbs, right? I so see you, you kids think about whatever, twenty years from now, yeah, I remember Pastor Steve preaching, and he preached through through Romans, right, eager to preach the gospel, right? And he preached through these other books. But the, the book that I love the most was Proverbs, because it really helped me in how it is that I, I ought to live. It was practical, it was life changing and very helpful to me. That's that's like what I'm praying for for you children here. And uh, I believe also the stage of life is going to be helpful for us to spend extended time in the book of Proverbs. Not for the sake of the children only, but for the sake of parents to know how it is they ought to direct their children. But if any of you are out here, you said, well, you know what, I'm not a parent, my kids are whatever, long gone, uh, know also that the book of Proverbs is for you as well. Look at chapter 1 and verse 5. It says this, let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance. In other words, Proverbs, though it's directed towards the young, isn't only for the young. It's also for the wise. Those who have been walking with the Lord for years have much of life figured out. There's still much to learn. There's still ways in which we can increase in our wisdom. Proverbs 9 verse 9 says this. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. So if any of you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm a pretty wise person, know that all of Proverbs is helpful for you as well. So even though it's aimed towards the youth, it spills over to all of us, young, old, wise or foolish, it will instruct us in the ways of wisdom. So with that as an introduction, let's, let's dig into the book of, of Proverbs. The The theme of Proverbs that's going to be continually on our hearts and on our minds is just right there. It is this, it is get wisdom. Because I think that's what the the push of Proverbs is all about. It's about getting wisdom. It's about obtaining wisdom. It's about being wise. In fact, that is the the title of my message this morning is Get Wisdom. And my title really comes from the best place I think to begin the book of Proverbs is in chapter 4. So once you turn over there in in chapter 4, because Solomon's going to fill in a few details of his life. It's going to give you a perspective why I say get wisdom is the theme of Proverbs. Solomon says this, Hear, O son, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. He said, When I was young, when I was a son with my father, tender, and the only one in the sight of my father, he taught me. And so who is the he there? It's Solomon's dad, who is... David, this is King David, put Solomon on his knee and said, "Sally, said, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Here it is. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget And do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. We see just the commendation of wisdom. We're going to see that often. Just how good wisdom is to get. And then he says this in verse 17. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And so if that's what the beginning of wisdom is. Is to get wisdom. That's like what Proverbs is about. It's about getting wisdom. He says and whatever you get get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. And my heart is for all of us, we walk through Proverbs, is that we would get wisdom. Well, my first point comes from verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. Here's my first point. Solomon got wisdom. We need to get it. Solomon had it. Solomon got it. Um, Here we see in verse 1, all we see about Solomon is his name and how he's identified. He's simply identified as the the son of David, the the king of Israel. Places him in history. Uh, Just shortly after the Davidic reign, David reigned about 1,000 B.C., Solomon's reign was whatever, 960 B.C. or somewhere in that range, 950 B.C. Place him about a thousand years before the coming of Christ. Jesus knew about Solomon, which we will see in, in coming weeks. Um, he ruled and reigned over Israel for 40 years until his death. When the Proverbs were finally written and compiled, though, everyone knew who Solomon was. He, he was a legend, if you will. Like, like, he was a legend. He was known as the wisest king that ever lived. Uh, to, to give you a little perspective, let's just suppose that Proverbs is the book of, is is basketball. Okay, let's just kind of kind of change those things a little bit there. If Proverbs is talking about basketball, then verse one would sound about like this: the highlights of Michael Jordan, Chicago Bull, NBA champion. Right? That's him. Right? That's you. That's you. So the question on the kids' notes is: Who is that? If you can write down uh, Michael. Underhill, that would be great, and you would get full credit for it. You did, all right. All right. You get the treasure first, is what you do when we meet afterwards. <laughs> In our culture today, we know about Michael Jordan. Dirk, do you know about Michael Jordan? Okay, so if Dirk knows about Michael Jordan, I'm telling you, we all know about Michael Jordan. <laughs> We've seen his highlights, seen his dunks maybe, know about his Nike sneakers. In fact, I bought a new pair of shoes this, on, on vacation because my old ones were wearing away, and I got some Nike Airs, right? I mean, they're not the nice, real expensive basketball shoes, but they said Air right on, on the back of them. In sports circles, there's a, a constant discussion about who the GOAT is. GOAT, greatest of all time. Or as S.R. says, you can also say BOAT, best of all time. And uh, when it comes to D- David and me, we got this discussion. I'm, I'm with MJ, and he's with LeBron. He thinks LeBron's the GOAT. I think MJ is the GOAT. And uh, um, But he is in the discussion. He, he's just right there. And, and think about it. If we would run a basketball camp, and uh, we, uh, we just announced that Michael Jordan is coming, I need just the one newspaper article, and we would have so many kids at this basketball camp. Just, can you just imagine the number of young people flocking to learn something from the master himself? From Mike, Michael Jordan. You wouldn't need to say much about the community. Just his name alone would draw that much attention. Well, likewise, those in Israel, little explanation would be need, needed for Solomon. He simply was the wisest in the land. If you will, Solomon was the goat of wisdom. Solomon got wisdom. In fact, if you'd like to, you you can keep your fingers in Proverbs or you can turn over to 1 Kings chapter 4. We're going to be in 1 Kings just a little bit because this gives background to Solomon and gives us reason why it is that we ought to be excited about studying this book. In in 1 Kings chapter 4 and verse 29, we read about his wisdom. and We read this, that God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore 1 kings 4:30 so that solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of egypt for he was wiser than all other men wiser than ethan the ezrahite we don't know how wise this guy was but solomon was was better than that you know this is like lebron in the discussion Solomon was better than that. He's better than Heman and Calcol and Darda, the sons of Mahol. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of the trees from the cedar that's in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds of reptiles and fish. And the people of all nations came to hear the words of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard his wisdom and we have here in Proverbs some of the 3,000 Proverbs that Solomon wrote. So in, in Proverbs, there are about a thousand verses. There are about 30 chapters, 31 chapters there are, and about 30 verses in each. That's about 900 verses, roughly. That's about a thousand. It's difficult. Sometimes a proverb might contain two verses. We don't know. But about a thousand Proverbs of the 3,000 that Solomon wrote. Uh, not all the proverbs in proverbs from Solomon chapter thirty we have the king we have the words of agur in chapter thirty one we have the words of King Lemuel, and there are a few other times it appears like Solomon is quoting the words of the wise or, or some other wise people maybe he 's quoting them in proverbs twenty two verse seventeen we read, "Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise." so it might be a rhetorical device that solomon 's using or it might be someone else that he 's pulling in because he says also in proverbs twenty four in verse 2, these also are the sayings of the wise. Like, like maybe he compiled some sayings from, from others who were wise sayings. We don't know, but for the most part, Solomon wrote almost all of Proverbs. He was the wisest man who ever lived. The story of the Queen of Sheba gives perspective. I want to read that. That's in 1 Kings chapter 10. You can turn there and stay in Proverbs. and am just going to read a section out of here. Now, when the Queen of Sheba... Heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to him to test him with hard questions. Like, is this guy really everything he says he, he is? Is are these rumors true? Well, I got these hard questions. I'm going to ask him these hard questions about life. And so the Queen of Sheba came to Jerusalem, first Kings ten, two, with a very great retinue, with camels bearing spices, and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. And there was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of the officials and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. She was breathless. She was stunned at the wisdom of Solomon, as well as the majesty of his his reign. She was a queen. She knew what it meant to to live in royalty and to live in majesty. But Solomon, and all his glory, the kingdom that he had helped build was just breathtaking, far beyond that. 1 Kings 10, verse 6. And she said to the king, The report was true that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom. But I did not believe the reports until I came, and my own eyes have seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpasses the report that I have heard. Happy are your men, happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. He's made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold and a very great quality of spices and precious stones. And never again came such an abundance of spices as these that the Queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon, just offering up to him, just everything that I have, I want to give to you because you deserve all the honor for the wisdom that you have. The Proverbs are worthy of our attention because of who wrote Proverbs Solomon. And Solomon got wisdom. My second point here comes in verses 2 through 6. You can turn back to Proverbs if you want. Not only did Solomon got wisdom, but the Proverbs gives wisdom. Now, it's interesting there. Proverbs gives wisdom or Proverbs give wisdom? Like, it depends. But I'm looking at the book of Proverbs gives wisdom is my idea there. And I get that from verses 2 through 6. They lay out the purpose of, of the Proverbs. Solomon writes... My aim in writing is to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands, obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. It's really easy. What, what Solomon's talking about here, his, his idea and purpose in writing the book of Proverbs was to pass on his wisdom. In other words, God didn't give Solomon wisdom just to collect and keep himself and say, okay, I got this wisdom, it's all mine. No, Solomon received wisdom so as to be able to give wisdom and to pass it on. That's why he writes the purpose in one two. He says to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insights. He wants us to know what's right and what's wrong. He wants us to have insight to understand the deep things of life, the actions of others, the motives of others, and the consequences of their actions and of our actions. In verse 3, Solomon wants his readers to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity. He wants us to know how to interact with people, to do the right thing, to do the just thing, to do the fair thing. He wants for us to know how to do this when even others are pushing us to do the wrong thing or cut corners or show favoritism. Solomon says, I want you to know the right and just thing. And in focusing upon his young readers, in verse 4 he says, that I write to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. The simple are those who walk about life and not really care, not really think about much. And Solomon wants for young people, he wants for you all, he wants for, for us to grasp an understanding of the world around us. Not simply let the days pass by, but to live with purpose, with, with good judgment and with common sense. Solomon wants for young people to know about life and, and to live with moral principle rather than the impulse passion of their flesh. And focusing in verse 5 upon the older reader, Solomon writes, He wants the wise to hear and increase in learning and and the one who understands to obtain guidance. He wants the wise not to rest on their laurels, not to think that they know it all, but to press on in their learning. He he wants us to know that the day we stop learning is the day we become a fool. The day we think we've arrived is a day in which we are in trouble. He wants us to know the principles of life so that we're guided on the right paths. It's all of us. Solomon wants his reader, verse 6, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. He wants us to, to think long and hard about his writings and to think long and hard about wisdom and to, to meditate deeply on what is right and to bring insight when there's particular the problems or tricky things of life, how it is that we can navigate those waters and then to walk rightly. And, and that's Solomon's purpose is, is to pass on Wisdom. Let me just say, though, that it takes work. It takes work to get wisdom. This is our teaching slide that you're going to see for a a long time as we go through Proverbs. And I think we'll go through at least, I don't know how long we'll be, six months, eight months, nine months. Um, But you're going to see this a lot, just like you got used to the Roman slide. You're going to see this. It says, get wisdom, Proverbs. And I'm not sure, I I, I trust that you, you notice there. I have a little prop here. Right and this is in the picture. It's not that particular shovel But this is a shovel And and I and I talked with SR about making this slide and I said SR Let's let's like get get some work. Let's get some blue-collar picture in there Like like really working and digging and i'm not sure if you've ever dug a hole But every time I dig a hole and my, my wife Um always teasing me about this says steve every time you dig a hole You always start talking about how big the earth is because I start digging And within five minutes, I'm breaking out in a sweat, and I look down at the hole I've dug, and it is very small. And I think about how vast the earth is if we'd shovel it with just a shovel. And so that's the idea there of the picture, is it just wants to remind you that that in order to get wisdom, it's going to take some work. You need to dig at it. You need to go at it. Because just naturally, wisdom doesn't come to us. Uh, then the natural way to walk is the way of the fool. Proverbs 22 verse 15 says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child. You show me a child, I'll show you folly in the heart. Because our hearts are sinful and our hearts will tend towards foolishness. Children don't, don't need to be taught the ways of foolishness. They need to be taught the ways of wisdom. And that's what I'm saying. It needs, you need to take some work at this. You, you, need to, you need to press and you need to go the way of wisdom because your natural tendency is going to go the way of foolishness. Proverbs 29, verse 15. A child left to himself brings shame to his mother. If you just let a child figure it out for himself or herself, you're just going to bring shame to yourself. And that's happening so much in our society. Oh, I just want to let the children understand or make their own decisions. Just let them go. They don't. They're fools. They're going to make foolish decisions parents, you need to step in and to help them. And when it comes to wisdom, kids, also you need to, to work at it. You need to labor. You need to go against the tide. One of the things you'll see in the book of Proverbs is that Solomon is constantly encouraging us to go against the tide, to go the right way, because the world is going the wrong way. And you might easily get swept up and go the wrong way, but you've got to go the right way. You've got to go against that tide. And the idea of a shovel is the idea of work. You need to Work and labor and get wisdom, and she his teaching slide on your on your screen week after week after week. Be reminded of the work it takes to be a wise person, like like, like Hannah just talked about, right? One hundred and twenty proverbs to memorize. That's only the beginning of it because that's just knowing the Bible. One of the things I love about proverbs though is proverbs isn't about just knowing the Bible. Proverbs is about doing the Bible. And what do I want to be at Rock Valley Bible Church? You want to be at a church that just knows the Bible? Or do we want to be a church that does the Bible? Do we want to just be hearers and not doers? We'll be deceivers. But we need to hear and understand and know that we might apply. And the 120 verses that she memorized, she worked at, then that's in her mind and able then to push out and to apply. And as you know, and you probably know lots of Proverbs anyway. It just takes work to flush it out. And a great illustration of this work comes in chapter 2. Look at, look at, look at this illustration, which we'll get to in a couple weeks. It says, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek her like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. See, it's only with deep effort and with labor that you will find the wisdom that you need for this life. Solomon says in verse 1 that it requires receiving the Proverbs, right? hearing them, listening to them, reading them. It requires, verse 1, treasuring them up in your heart. That's talk about memorization. thinks about putting them in your heart, putting them in your mind, thinking about them. It requires attention, as verse 2 says, having your ear attentive, inclining your heart to understanding, meaning a disposition of your mind that says, I want to understand. It says in verse 3, it requires prayer calling out for insight raising your voice for understanding god help me to understand this proverb help me to understand this and it means prayer that's work it means in verse four requires diligence seeking for it like you do silver Searching for like hidden treasures, people go long distance for hidden treasures. People will work hard for their work to get their silver, to get their money. It's amazing. Once a child who doesn't want to do a task, once you start throwing a few dollars in there, that the heart is more willing, because we will seek, we will do the hard things if we have a reward coming back to us. It requires diligence, and it's only after you put all that sort of work to get wisdom that you will get wisdom. But. Be careful here because look at verse 6. You will understand, verse 5. You'll find the knowledge of God because, verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes understanding. Ultimately, any wisdom that you glean from the book of Proverbs will be God given. Your own effort is not going to get there, it's not sufficient on its own. Oh, to be sure, hard work is needed, but it's not sufficient. You need God to help. Ultimately, it's the Lord who gives the wisdom. And, and Solomon understood that very well, that, that he needs wisdom. He needed wisdom from on high. When he was a young man, the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Ask what I should give you. And listen to First Kings chapter 3. It says, As Solomon said to God, You've shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, Because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and upright of heart towards you. And you've kept for him this great day and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. That's me. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in the place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out and to come in and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people too many to be numbered or counted for multitude give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that i may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this your great people here was solomon right just to be inaugurated sit on the throne and he first says i don't ha- I, i'm not sufficient I see this great people, this great task that, God, you have blessed with. And and I just need your insight. I need your wisdom. Solomon understood that that from the Lord, the Lord gives wisdom and understanding. Because we read in 1 Kings 3, 10 and following about God giving him wisdom. Listen to what it says. It says, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or life of your enemies but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what's right. Behold, God says, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. Solomon's the goat ends the discussion. No one coming after. It's going to be as wise as him, save one, Jesus. I give you also what you've not asked. Both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you walk in the ways in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. See, Solomon's wisdom was not self-generated; it was God-given. And, and in fact, I read earlier. I'm not sure if you caught it or not. First Kings four twenty-nine. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind, like the sand on the seashore. So yes, take your shovel out, and yes, dig, and yes, search for wisdom, but realize ultimately it comes from the Lord. It reminds me of Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it's God who's at work in you, both to will and to do for his good purpose, right? You labor and strive because you know ultimately it's God's work in your life that's going to be determinative at all and that's what what solomon is saying here is that is that it's god who gives wisdom so work yes but realize it's god who gives wisdom which leads us really naturally into verse seven which is my third point this morning the key to wisdom in verse seven we read this the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom instruction so what's the key to wisdom here help me fear of the lord right The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to wisdom. It's not the only time that's mentioned in Scripture. It comes up several times in the book of Proverbs in in chapter 9 and verse 10. We read of the same thing about the, the primacy of the fear of the Lord in knowledge, in wisdom. It says in Proverbs 9 verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So fearing God is the key to wisdom. It is the very first thing to wisdom. So in chapter 4, Solomon said, okay, the beginning to wisdom is to get wisdom. Okay, to get wisdom, you need to fear the Lord because that's the very first thing in wisdom. It wasn't only new to Solomon. It comes up in Psalm 111, possibly written by David. It's our best guess. Right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Psalm 111, verse 10. Job taught the same thing. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, equating the fear of the Lord with wisdom. I just simply say this, the fear of the Lord is the key to understanding Proverbs. And let me just just warn us all here. We will go astray if we read through the book of Proverbs and forget the key. Um, If we make Proverbs simply about moral living, totally missed the book of Proverbs. It's not about moral living. It's about fearing the Lord and living in His presence and what a God-fearing life looks like. If we make the Proverbs just simply about how to live, we fail. Because how to live in the presence of God is what it is. How it is to live, to to seek His ways and to know His blessings and to avoid His cursings. Because ultimately our our wisdom comes from the Lord and and we need to seek our, our wisdom from Him. And really, that, that really is a, a helpful way to, to understand the fear of the Lord is is trusting that, that we're walking before the Lord always and, and we're seeking His wisdom and, and depending upon His wisdom. That's what fear of the Lord might mean is, is to revere God, is to, to so walk in such a way that He is so big that, that you're walking in dependence upon Him and seeking to honor Him and please Him in every way and that just covers and saturates all of Proverbs. Our prayer meeting this morning, we read James 1.17 to stir our hearts to pray. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights. We just prayed, what, what good and perfect gift have you had? What good and perfect gift have you had recently? What good and perfect gift have you had recently? What good and perfect gift have you had recently? Let's just pray and thank the Lord for these good and perfect gifts that come down from the Lord. That's what it means to fear the Lord. To realize that everything we have comes from Him. And let's live in honor to Him. We're not sufficient in our own lives. We need help from God to live wisely. And that's the fundamental realization of Proverbs. That, that, that wisdom, the wisdom we desperately need, comes from Him. And at the end of verse 7 we read this. "Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord it needs to be understood. Oftentimes in, in Hebrew poetry, the first line is related to the second line. Sometimes it says the second line exactly the same way. Sometimes it, it adds a little twist. Here it adds a little twist. But keep in mind, the first part speaks about how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But fools who don't fear the Lord despise wisdom and instruction. But here's, think about how, how wisdom walks. When you fear the Lord, and there's time maybe you're reading a proverb. Or something in scripture you don't quite understand. And maybe you hear what's right. But your heart is tugging you in another direction. And, and, and God says this. And you know that. But it just doesn't feel right at the moment. And you, you feel like you want to do this. And you want to walk in your own ways. That's what a fool is. Despises the wisdom instruction that comes from the Lord. And goes on their own hunch. And goes on their own way. You see how the fear of the Lord is in that verse? But it's the fear of the Lord that draws you to walk in that right way. Even when your sinful heart is turning you away or pulling you away or tugging at you, even when everything in your mind is trying to justify a different behavior, the fear of the Lord will say, no, I know for sure. That's what God says. God says I should walk in this way. The fear of the Lord will walk in that way. Even when you are tempted to just compromise a little bit or even when tempted to make things smoother. No, God says to go this way. And fearing the Lord means you're going to obey Him and walk in His ways rather than walking after your own ways. Instruct a wise man, he'll be wiser still. Well, I want to close my message feeling the need, as we think about Solomon to address the sad part of the story of Solomon. Because with all his wisdom and insight, he turned away from the Lord. You can read about it in 1 Kings 11 that Contrary to his own counsel, he pursued foreign women who turned away his heart from following the Lord. Turned away his heart from following the Lord. And against his own counsel, he followed after other gods. It's a sad story of a young man who had so much wisdom and obtained so much success only to turn away in the end. And I just say this story is not foreign to us. Just this past week in the news, we heard, maybe you did, two weeks ago, whatever, a a Christian pastor and author, Joshua Harris, not sure how many of you are familiar with what's, what's been out there recently, some of you have. He came out denying his faith, Joshua Harris did. He wrote this on his Instagram account, I've undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is, quote, deconstruction, the biblical phrase is falling away. By all measurements that I have had for defining a Christian, I'm not a Christian, is what he says. It's a sad story. It's a, it's a sad story of a young man who had so much wisdom and obtained so much success only to turn away in the end. Joshua Harris, for about a decade, pastored a, a megachurch. In his youth, I think maybe from age 25 to 35, maybe somewhere in that range, maybe 30 to 40 was pastoring this church of thousands. I, I've read his books with profit. Um, in fact, I remember one time passing out one of his books to our congregation. Passing it out, endorsed by none other on the back than John MacArthur. Stop dating the church. It's time for believers to take the church seriously, MacArthur writes, which is why the message of this book is so essential. It's a great book. I'm writing a dissertation right now on church membership which we going to bring to our congregation. And I quote... From Joshua Harris, I need to evaluate whether whether I should keep that, that quote in or not now that he has denied the faith, but he was in our camp entirely. Uh, I, I've been edified, his messages, his preaching, listened to him a lot, was super encouraged by what he said, yet tonight, he, today he has denied the faith he isn 't following his, his own counsel, and you know what 's the core what 's the issue there? I believe it 's the fear of the Lord. He's missed the key to wisdom. He no longer fears the Lord. To, to stand out and say, I am not a Christian, and, and, and to face then, it's, say that in the, in the presence of God. I was talking about, about, about this with Yvonne this past week, and just said, just to fear. I mean, that's, that's like, I said, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Kind of just saying those words and incurring the curse of God upon him. But he doesn't fear God anymore. And neither did Solomon. He, he didn't fear. He, he wrote better than he lived. And so regarding Joshua Harris and regarding Solomon, I, I read a tweet this week that was so true. Written by a guy. I have no idea who Andrew Walker is. I have no idea if he's referring to this situation or not, but he wrote this. He said, People do not abandon the faith for exclusively intellectual reasons. There is a moral subtext. Our conduct gives shape to our belief. What this means, the head justifies where the heart bends, and apostasy is more often the result of ethical revolution than doctrinal innovation. In other words, what he's saying is that there's, there's often sin that then causes and clouds the thinking as you go astray. And uh, with Solomon, it's true, his passion for foreign women led to his downfall, and I suspect if... Things are popular enough or gets out in the news. We will learn of some sin of Joshua Harris. Uh, I, I don't know what that is. I just know biblically this is true. It's your sin that draws away where your, your heart is. Your head justifies where your heart bends. I don't think it's a mere academic thing. I think somehow there's lost a the fear of the Lord, starting walking his own ways, suppressed the truth of God, Romans 1, and now has denied the faith. And so, a legitimate question, right? What are we to do? Are we to burn his books? Should we have a book-burning party after church? Well, we're not burning Solomon's book, right? Because Solomon has much to teach us. And sometimes people can teach us even when eventually they're they're led astray. Discerning things through the Scripture. But there is one big lesson, though, for us is this. Is that salvation doesn't come through wisdom. If it came through wisdom, Joshua Harris wouldn't be where he is today. Solomon wouldn't have been where he was in his day. Solomon would never have turned to apostasy like he did, nor others. Right? This shows if the wisest person in the land couldn't even endure until the end, what hope do we have? And that's the point. We don't have any hope in ourselves. That My message in, through Proverbs isn't going to be, hey, look, let's be wise. Let's be wise people. Hey, look how wise we are. We're standing before God wise. The lesson from Solomon is this. Even the wisest failed. We need a redeemer. Right? It's why Jesus Christ came. It's why we need him through Proverbs. In fact, you, you'll read Proverbs and you'll be reading some things and saying, wow, I don't, I don't mark up to that it's directing you how you should live, but it's like the law, right? Directing you how you should live, finding that you don't reach that, leading to despair, leading to calling out to Jesus for forgiveness of sins. In fact, I have a friend who was saved through Proverbs. Reading the wisdom there and coming to the understanding and says, that's not me. That's not me. I'm not even close to that. Let him to, I need help. And he helped led him to the fear of the Lord and led him to to Jesus. As we work through the Proverbs over the next few months, let's just keep this in mind that verse 7 is what it's all about. The fear of the Lord is what we need to keep front and center in all the book of Proverbs. And realize in our failings that there is hope in a Savior. There's hope in Jesus Christ. And as we fear the Lord, we will then be in humility before Him. And humility leads to confession which leads to faith and trust, which leads to a new life in Jesus Christ. So let's get wisdom. And maybe let's get the ultimate wisdom to realize that, that uh, the beginning of wisdom is really realizing that we don't have enough to get wisdom, and we need to find the one who can give us the wisdom, which is Christ. So let's pray. Father, we pray you would be with us as we look through Proverbs. Um, help us, O oh God, to... To be wise people. Just even thinking about the the child has an opportunity today to get some of these deep-rooted principles in his or her life. Then to walk steadfastly in the ways of God so as ultimately to to live a life of blessing. We'll see in Proverbs so much that the one who walks in your ways receives favor from your hand and, and has favor from other people and is well spoken of. But the one who doesn't walk in your ways will face hardship and tribulation and distress. And so I pray for the well-being of kids here in our church, of parents imploring their children. God, that there would be a a healthy fear of you. God, in in your spirit to come in us and amongst us to give us the wisdom we need so as to live wisely, so as to know the blessing of, of God upon our lives. So help us as we go through Proverbs. God, that we might be people who get wisdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.